We're going to have the opportunity now to hear testimonies of two individuals who are going to be baptized. Uh, first one, back in, I believe it was 2009, Ken, 2008 or 2009 when you first started, uh, 2008, and then you were baptized, I think, in 2009, if our, if our records are correct. Um, in August of 2009, our brother Ken Kulig was baptized at the age of 17 or 18 years old. The Lord brought him here as a young man, and uh, we were so blessed very early on. That was back when we were in Halden at the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ken went off to college and met his wife, Savannah. And here they are back with us. Actually, they're going to become, they are becoming members uh, within the, we'll hear Savannah's testimony now, and we'll hear Ken's testimony, God willing, next week or in the week following. So Savannah, come on up, introduce yourself to the congregation. We praise the Lord for you. Hello. So my testimony starts with that God gave me godly parents who told me the gospel of Jesus. And I would say when I look at my life as a whole, um, God changed my life my sophomore year of college in 2012. So prior to this time, I would say that my lifestyle was disobedient and um, I don't remember really having godly sorrow over my sin. I distinctly remember a night um, realizing that I had everything I wanted in a worldly sense, but I still felt deeply empty. Um, But in 2012, I remember praying in my dorm room, and I really felt like God had forgiven me. And um, I felt really sorry for my sin and also a lot of joy all at the same time. And it was after this time um, I had one of the best summers of my life. I remember waking up really wanting to read scripture, and uh, it was like God was talking to me through the Bible, and everything felt new. So yeah, that was a really great summer. Um, Some of my favorite things that God has taught me is that I am safe in his arms, and that he loves me deeply, and that he is very powerful. Um, Today when I sin or I'm very stubborn, I often can doubt, am I a Christian? And the answer to that question is that I'm a Christian because of what Christ has done. Um, I praise the Lord that Christ died for me. I praise the Lord that because Christ was raised, um, I too am raised to new life to live to the Lord. And um, I praise the Lord that now when I look, I can see his beauty and creation. And I praise the Lord for his grace in my life. Thank you for that. Praise the Lord. All right, we're going to hear from uh, our brother Jeffrey. Uh, back in uh, two years ago, it was around this time of year, uh, Brother Hinton came up to me and said, uh, yeah, you're going to be blocked if you try to come through that door, Jeffrey. <laughs> have to come out the front. Um, so two years ago, uh, Brother Hinton came up to me and said, I have this uh, friend, um, and he he." looking for Bible studies, needs to know the Lord, and he's telling me more about him, and he says, he's telling me what a pure swing he has in baseball, softball. Well, well, my mind, I'm being totally honest with you, my mind was, 
here's a guy who could play for Wayne. <laughs> and we could beat Carney. And, he, and the thing of it is, is that he lives in Carney at that time. So I'm like, no, we don't want Carney to get this guy. <laughs> so, Jeffrey, I don't know if you knew this, but the first meeting was purely, the motive was purely to try to rec- recruit you for our softball team. <laughs> Well, praise the Lord. God worked on his heart. Two, here we are two years later, and we've been studying the word together every, every few weeks, every couple of weeks, going through the book of Romans. He's been listening to Pastor Bill's uh, um, sermons online, but I don't want to take away from what he's going to say. So, Jeffrey, come on up, and, and let's hear from him. Good afternoon. Not really like speaking in public too much, but here I am. Here I am and here I go. So I grew up in church. My mom was wonderful. She tried teaching me, my older brother, my older sisters, how to live life the right way according to Christ. She raised us all, in my opinion. My mother did an exceptional job. My older siblings were great examples for me. My sisters both were married and worked very hard. My brother served as both my father figure and an older brother. He was very smart and hardworking and responsible. So looking at all of them, I had good examples of how to live my life the right way. For many years, I went to church with my mother and tried to make sense of all the sermons and teachings. I saw many, many things that confused me. Uh, Some of my peers from church were dabbling in drugs, alcohol, sexual activities, which eventually led me to leave the church due to ungodly, phony, hypocritical behavior. Even though my siblings were no longer going to church, they never did these things. And uh, my friends from outside of church were not doing these things either. Therefore, I decided to leave church and begin living a life the way I thought was right and the way I thought God wanted me to live, which was having good moral, a good moral compass and trying to do things the right way. This made me a very legalistic, judgmental, prideful, self-righteous person. I was living like a Pharisee without knowing it. For whatever reason, God would always find some, uh, show up somehow throughout my life. As a young adult, I kept looking for answers, and the Lord began to order my steps without me being aware. At the age of 18, I became good friends with a gentleman named Cliff through a basketball church program, who would eventually introduce me to a man by the name of John, who is a Christian psychologist, amongst other things who uh, through the years became a great friend and a surrogate father. I did not grow up with my father, so that was a void that I had and was very angry about. Looking back at my life, one of the lessons that I have learned and finally understood is that the Lord will always be by your side. He will always provide you with what you need, not what you want, but what you need. Another lesson that I learned which I didn't really believe, is how powerful prayer is. My father was not a Christian man, so God provided me with a surrogate, John, and many other men who were. So for many years, John had been counseling me and trying to teach me how to live my life according to the scripture, just like my mother tried to do for many years. But of course, I was stubborn. Another great personality trait to have. What was eye-opening, though, is that everywhere that I worked in random places where I have been, there, always has, there has always been Christian men to guide me along the way to remind me that the Lord Jesus Christ was there watching me. 
My mother has spent endless years praying for me along the way, along with John and many others. I thank God for that because I was not praying much myself. For years, I was living self-righteously ignoring God, thinking that I had been doing the right, the right thing, judging, making fun of Christians, condemning others, and following the PB&J model, not peanut butter and jelly, but the David's, one of David's sermons, Prayer, Bible, and Jesus, thinking that was enough, not living or understanding the RPG model, not role-playing games, but another sermon by David, rejoicing prayer and gratitude. Regardless of how much my mother loved me and, uh, and prayed for me, I treated her horribly through the years, and whenever she would quote scripture, I would always be disrespectful and dismissive. She would uh, host home groups, and I would respect, but I would start debates, judge, and challenge them because I had read the Bible cover to cover by that point, so therefore, I knew better than they did. I would make fun of them behind their backs with my friends um, when they were around. And later I would feel guilty of my actions because deep down inside I knew that mocking the Lord, I mean the word of God was not righteous in his eyes. I was acting out because even though I was receiving sound Christian counseling and advice, and even though I had read the Bible, I didn't study scripture, which is a huge difference. I just read the Bible as a personal accomplishment to feel good about myself, feed my self-righteousness, and to argue against it. I was a lost, confused soul looking for answers, but I was not ready to accept and submit. He was right in front of me, and I was always, and, and always by my side, but I wanted to conform him and his word to my prideful, self-righteous, legalistic ways, which made me angrier and more confused because, in my eyes, I was living the right way. I could not understand why my life was not panning out the way I wanted. I lived this way for many years and became more frustrated, bitter as time passed. The Lord was so kind and loving, loving, graceful and merciful, patient and faithful to me. And only he knows why, because I sure didn't deserve any of it. He gave me the opportunity to live for many years, make millions of mistakes, making, making a mess out of my life. About, and about two years ago, he said enough. He opened my eyes through some really difficult times and tribulations, and he thrust me right into sufferings in the wilderness, broke me down to tears to show me how much of a good person I was not. He made me realize how wrong I was and how terrible I had been to some of those who were close to me for years. And that's when I remembered all of the things my girlfriend and my mother said to me through the years and saw the parallels between both. For many years, my girlfriend would say how mean I was to my mother. She would tell me that she prayed to God to bring her a Christian man because God told her he was going to bring her a Christian man, a man of Christ. She would ask me occasionally why I didn't go to church, and she would say, I believe that man is you. I would laugh at her, mock her, say, ha, 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 I guess I'm not your guy. I guess God lied to you. I will never go to church. I'm good. I read the, I read the Bible completely. And I read it here and there. I pray occasionally. And then I would say, what do you know? You're not a Christian. You, don't, you didn't grow up with the understanding in that background. Yeah, God speaks to you, sure. Sure thing, whatever. I'm 100%. He's lying to you. You're just confused. I was mean to my mother, just like I was being mean to her. 
But I didn't see or understand that because I was a nice guy. I didn't smoke, do drugs, stay out late, chase women. I was faithful. I had a job. I worked out. I was positive. So how bad could I really be? I would tell my mom the same thing. What do you want from me? I didn't do drugs. I didn't smoke. I didn't stay out all hours of the night. I had a job to help with the bills. I had good friends who were not troublemakers or criminals. So leave me alone. I'm good. These were some of the things he illustrated and reminded me of, like a movie. I looked in the mirror and was disappointed and disgusted with who I was and realized that I was not good at all. I was a monster. I realized how judgmental, self-righteous, prideful, and legalistic I was, amongst other things. But I finally saw and understood that those were not good qualities, and the tears kept pouring down and would not stop. That's when I realized that the only way, the only answer is Jesus Christ. And how right my mom was has been for many years. I apologized to everyone, most of all my mom and Jeanette, and I began to have this hunger to want to actually learn the scriptures, not just read the Bible, to read it. So I downloaded a yearly reading plan and began to read. After some months of reading, I started realizing that I was kind of doing the same thing, PB&J, prayer, Bible, and Jesus. I was learning, but still felt hungry and empty. It wasn't enough. I needed help, so I kicked my pride to the side and reached out to one of my best friends in life, good old Hinton. Like always, there he was on deck, always ready to help. I asked him if he knew anyone who hosted Bible class and, or did any personal Bible studies. He reached out and said that Pastor Joe would be open to doing the studies. Hinton also shared sermon audio, the Sermon Audio app with me and told me that his sermons were on there for free, just in case I wanted to hear some. So I began to listen to a few sermons daily and began to learn and understand some things, but also had lots of questions. I was very excited but in, very intimidated at the same time. And about a week later, Pastor Joe reached out. We spoke for about an hour, began the studies right away. After many months of doing the studies and reading the scripture, I began to understand and realize why it is important to go to church and the role it plays in our spiritual growth. And without anyone being pushy, I willingly voluntarily stepped into the church for the first time, which was something I said I would never do. And here I am today. I have much more to go and much more to learn and understand, but it is not some mystical overnight hot and cold feeling. I will magically suddenly become some new man overnight. It is a work in progress, learning and studying the scripture and living for Jesus. I'm sure I will stumble and make mistakes along the way, but I will continue to follow him not playing tug-of-war with him, submitting and allowing for his will to be done in my life, regardless of how tough the road ahead will be. Jesus, along with his mercy and grace, were present for my entire life. He allowed me to understand that the only reason why I'm alive today and why I'm saved is that he was kind, merciful, and graceful enough to send his only son down from above as a sacrifice for all humanity to teach us, to help us, to guide us, to die for us, and to die for all our sins and wash them away, which was the ultimate sacrifice, which we are not worthy or deserved of, I'm sorry, we are not worthy of or deserved because we are sinful creatures. But regardless of how sinful we are, he still spread, uh, spared our lives 
and has given us all the gift of life, a chance to surrender, submit to his ways, give our hearts to him, and by doing so, he will show us the path to his kingdom. Proverbs 23, verse 26 says, My son, gave me your heart. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Jesus was, a, was the perfect man who came down from above, died for our sins, and resurrected from the grave to spread the good news and to show everyone that he is one, the one and only true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. While I know that the act of being baptized will not save me, it is something that he commands us to do. I have to be obedient and follow his word, which is the gift of the Holy Bible, which is ultimately his, ho- his, his holy word and, instru- and the instruction manual on how to truly live our lives righteously in accordance to him and not self-righteously in according to us. Um, to say, remember, sometimes the right thing to do is not the righteous thing to do. Like Jesus, who always follows the righteous path, so then must we. Thank you. That wasn't so bad, was it? <laughs> you know, I think um, God has a way of taking uh, shy people and making them into preachers. I don't, even need to, I don't even need to say my words because he said them all, but uh, I'm going to go through just three quick points on baptism so that everyone here is understanding what's happening. Uh, baptism, the word is a Greek word, which means immersion, and that's why we immerse. We immerse in wa- water. Baptism is a symbolic ceremony portraying the gospel in visible form. Now, you heard the gospel preached in a sermon That's one way we hear the gospel, through the preaching of a sermon. What we're going to witness in baptism, we're going to see the gospel illustrated in baptism. How so? Well, first you need to know what the gospel is. You've heard it a few times already. I'll be very quick. The gospel is the good news of salvation through, through Jesus Christ. It is a message of God's love and grace and how Jesus' death and resurrection provide forgiveness for sin and eternal life for all who are trusting Christ. How does baptism display that message? Well, the baptismal candidate goes down into the water representing death and then comes up out of the water representing resurrection. Christ died in our place. In in his death, he took the sin. He took the death that our sin deserves Uh, He went into the grave, but he didn't stay in the grave. He rose from the dead, and likewise, those who are trusting in Christ live a new life in Christ and go through the same process of death, burial, and resurrection. And, And baptism in water is just a picture of that life of death in Christ and resurrection in Christ. Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 says, Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him, Jesus, from the dead, and you, meaning us who believe in him, who were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses. So baptism is a picture of our union with Christ, identifying in his death 
and in his resurrection. The second point I want to make is from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. Peter, the apostle Peter, describes baptism as corresponding to the way that Noah was saved out of the flood waters by the ark. And he writes this in chapter 3, verse 21. He says that baptism saves the person, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, powers being subjected to him. What does this tell us? The baptized Christian is not, it's not the water that cleanses. It says it's not the removal of dirt from the body. It's not the water. The water has no power in itself, is what the the Catholic Church teaches, that there is power in the water. No, there's no power in the water. The power is in the finished work of Jesus Christ in his death and in his resurrection. And as such, as Brother Jeffrey said, baptism is not a saving act. However, it is a vitally important act that every Christian, upon trusting in Christ, would be baptized in water in obedience to the command of God in Scripture. The third point is from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For it says this, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. And this is something I think that gets lost sometimes particularly in our culture, in our Christian culture, in the way it is today. It says we're all baptized into one body, and then the Apostle Paul goes on to describe what is the body of Christ. And the body of Christ is the church, the gathering together of God's people. So yes, baptism identifies one with Christ. But here on earth, to be identified with Christ is also to be identified with the body of Christ, namely the church. So baptism, although many Christians do these things where they go to the Jordan River and are baptized in the Jordan River, or they have youth camp and they baptize at youth camp, and they, all these different ways of people bapti- baptizing, baptism in its normal way it ought to take place ought not take place apart from the church, but into the church, into one body. In the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, uh, Jesus says, Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. There's two things that the church does here. It baptizes them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which you'll see. And then there's the ongoing teaching right? Baptizing and teaching that are done in the church. A person is not baptized into a vacuum where they then just are left to themselves to try to find a grope around and find out, but it's linked to the teaching that takes place in the church. So we're called to something, brethren, as, as baptized believers. We are called to something that is much bigger than the PB&J, <laughs> than the personal faith encounter with Jesus. We're called into this continuing story that involves Jesus' church because God in his mercy gave us one another. We, while our, our life on earth, we have one another. We don't have to carry out this life on our own, groping around, making the best of it, but we have one another. And that's where you come in. As, you're, as our congregation, the members, I'm not talking to the guests here, but the members of our congregation, you're going to see two new members be baptized. 
today. We bear a responsibility to these individuals to help them make it to heaven. That it's not, it doesn't, doesn't end on this day. It begins on this day. And our accountability and responsibility to one another is to pray for these individuals, to help them when they need counsel, to come alongside of them when they need encouragement. We praise God in his mercy that he gives us one another to live here on earth together. We're not meant to make it alone. And um, not just in this life, but forever. We're going to be all neighbors forever and ever. We will be with one another as God continues to save people from every tribe and tongue and nation. He brings them together in the gathering of God's people, the church, and we will be with him forever. So today, if you're outside of Christ, if you're not part of his church, there's, I'm sure there is nothing that Savannah and, or Jeffrey or anyone here would, would want more than to know that you will be in that number that you will inherit eternal life, that one glad morning when this life is over, you'll fly away. (laughs) That you will follow them, not for their sake, because they're human beings. As Jeffrey said, you don't become perfect overnight. But follow them as they follow Christ. Savannah? Do you profess repentance toward God and faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection? Yes. Do you recognize that there is no work, including this work of baptism, that qualifies you for salvation, that is, by God's grace alone, that you are saved? Yes. Will you, by God's grace, trust Jesus Christ and follow him all your days as part of his church? Yes. Amen. I'm going to ask uh, Ken to pray for his wife, and then we will baptize. Uh, Dear God, Lord, we thank you for your grace, love, and mercy in Savannah's life. We thank you, Lord, that you have given her spiritual life, and Lord, you have adopted her as your daughter. Uh, Father, let these waters of baptism be a forever reminder to her that she has died and risen with Christ, and that what you, God, have done is done and cannot be undone. Uh, Lord, may it be rooted in her heart the words of the Apostle Paul, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be attained by the law, Christ died for nothing. Mm. And so, Father, uh, we thank you for your grace. And Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we present to you Savannah Kulig today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Savannah, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we baptize you. Congratulations. Congratulations.
Amen. Jeffrey, do you profess repentance toward God and faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection? Do you recognize that there is no work, including this work of baptism, that qualifies you for salvation, that it is by God's grace alone that you are saved? Will you, by God's grace, trust Jesus Christ and follow him all days on, as part of his church? I do. I've asked uh, Brother Hinton, who, who is our brother Jeffrey's mentor, to pray for him, or, or do you, anything you want to say before uh, you know, before you pray? I never told that Jeffrey ever be here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's been a long journey. It's a blessing having the family and uh, old friends, and um, uh, yeah, to God all the glory and honor, only to Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Amen. Amen. Right, Heavenly Father, we uh, glorify your name. We thank you, Lord, that this is a, a miracle, Lord, that we yeah. are um, seeing right now, Lord. I pray, Lord, that um, you continue guiding him, Lord, and mentor him, Lord, as you take the glory and honor, Lord. Um, always remember that what is the profit of man to gain the word and lose our soul, Lord. Always teach him, Lord, that it's not to go to the white gate, as the white gate takes to destruction, but to go, always go to the narrow gate. That he mm. take him to salvation, Lord. Lord, protect him, protect his family, Lord, that everybody see his testimony. He's an example that you are an almighty God, almighty to save and almighty to change the heart of stone and put a heart of flesh, Lord. Lord, thank you for all the blessing you give us, Lord. And you take all the glory and honor, Lord, in the name which is above all name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Hang on. <laughs> in the name of the Father, and the Son. And the Holy Spirit, we baptize you.